go ahead and take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Tonight I'm going to speak on the subject of forgiveness, but I'm going to, I guess, kind of maybe go a little different direction with forgiveness tonight and really talk about forgiving something specific. I'm going to get kind of specific on this because, you know, I mentioned this this morning, kind of gave you a little preview of what we're going to talk about. And what I'm going to be talking about specifically tonight is are we to forgive those who don't want to be forgiven? Or how do we forgive those who don't think they did anything wrong. Now, I don't know about you, but me personally, I don't have a real hard time forgiving people of stuff when they're sorry. Okay, I mean, if somebody comes to you and they're sorry for what they did, and you know, maybe they're even crying a little bit, and you can tell they really feel bad for what they did, I don't have a real hard time forgiving that person. Okay, but the one, I, the ones I struggle with sometimes are those who do something wrong and act like they haven't done anything wrong. In fact, they might even act like you're the bad guy and you're the one that deserves it. And that's a little more difficult if you ask me. And a lot of times you'll hear these great stories of forgiveness. And every time I'll hear these stories of forgiveness, you know, there's always the people that were feeling really bad. I don't know if some of you might remember years, uh, not, not super long ago, there was the guy that went into the Amish school and shot a bunch of Amish girls, wasn't it? It was all Amish girls or just Amish kids? Yeah, he shot a bunch of little Amish kids. I mean, horrible story. And they ended up making a movie about that story because uh, in that story, it was a wonderful story of forgiveness. Because that guy that went and shot up those Amish kids, his wife you know, felt horrible about it. And... I don't remember what all happened in that story, but you know the Amish people in that community, you know, they all were very forgiving to that lady, and they all were a help to her, and they just, I mean, totally forgave her. And but here's the thing, she didn't do it, and she felt horrible about it. And I watched that, and I was like, I don't really see how that's a great story of forgiveness because she didn't do anything, you know, and to hold it against her. Would be totally out of line, and I, you know, I've often wondered a few times, you know, is there something wrong with me? Because I don't really know how to do this, how to forgive people that don't think they did anything wrong and don't want any forgiveness. And so I went and I searched, I believe, every scripture in the Bible. We're not going to look at all of them tonight. Every scripture in the Bible on forgiveness, and read all of them. To see, you know, are we to forgive those who don't want it? Do we have to forgive those who don't ask for it? And if if they if we if they don't ask for forgiveness, you know, how do we deal with it? How do we go on? How do we move on with it? And so I'm going to uh, I'm going to cover this subject tonight and show you what I believe about this. And we're going to look at a lot of scriptures tonight. One thing you know you never can accuse me of is not using scriptures. I use a lot of scriptures. Now you might be able to accuse me of taking them out of context, uh, but uh, either way, I'm going to use a lot, I'm going to use a lot of scripture tonight. I might not even get into all of it because there are quite a few scriptures. But are we to forgive those? Who don't want it? So I want to start out looking at Matthew chapter 18. This is a very good passage on forgiveness and a very well-known one. And we're going to look at what it says. Matthew 18, verse 21 says, Then came Peter to him 
and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee, and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay him all that was due unto him, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now this passage here, I believe it really covers it all with forgiveness. Okay? But one thing that you're going to notice in this passage is when people are giving forgiveness, somebody's always asking for the forgiveness, aren't they? I mean, if my brother sinned, you know, how often do I have to forgive him? Every time he asks. Every time somebody asks you for forgiveness, you ought to be ready, you ought to be willing to give them that forgiveness. And we'll go more into that. But also we see in this passage too, how if you don't forgive other people, then you're not going to get forgiveness from God. And we'll look more into that. And really when it comes down to forgiveness, I mean, I think it's all kind of covered in there. But one thing that we don't see in this passage is forgiving somebody who's not asking for forgiveness. And when you go through the Bible, really almost everywhere except for really, I think just one example that I found. When people are giving forgiveness, it was people that were at, there was people asking for the forgiveness. And I'm here today to tell you that when it comes to forgiveness, to be able to forgive somebody, they've got to want the forgiveness. They've got to ask for that forgiveness. And don't get too excited and think, all right, so that means if somebody hasn't asked for forgiveness, I can hold a grudge against them, all right? You know, we'll get into how we're going to handle it. But really, for there to be forgiveness, that requires somebody to be wanting the forgiveness. It requires somebody to be acknowledging their sin, to be acknowledging their transgression, for you to be able to forgive somebody. And so we see here that you know we are commanded to forgive somebody when they ask. That's very clear in this passage. I mean, however many times they ask, we're supposed to forgive them every time until 70 times 7. That doesn't mean we keep track all the way until 490 and say, all right, 490, you're at 491 now. No, he's just saying over and over again. Just keep on forgiving every time. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. 
2 Corinthians 2, verse 10, it says, "...to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also, for if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." Let me tell you something. If you want to open yourselves wide open for the attacks of the devil, don't forgive people. I mean, get bitterness in your heart, get angry at people, and I'm telling you right now, Satan will use that all the time. He gets people over and over again. I mean, he destroys churches through that sin of people not forgiving. I mean, they hold grudges, they get mad at people, they might tell somebody they're sorry, but in their heart they're still mad at them, they're still angry, they've not forgiven them. And boy, when you do that, just mark it down, Satan's going to come after you. And we shouldn't be ignorant of that as Christians. If somebody does you wrong and they want forgiveness, you better give it to them. Otherwise, you're just wide open for attack of the devil. You're going to lose the protection of God because if you're not forgiving others, then how's God going to forgive you? And so, I mean, just a dangerous, dangerous place for you to be to be in a position where someone needs forgiveness and you won't give it to them. Very dangerous. You don't want to do that. But a great example in the Bible of forgiveness, really the first time in the Bible where you see forgiveness is in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 16. You don't have to turn there. But the story of Joseph. We know the story of Joseph. I mean, Joseph was done wrong like nobody else. I mean, by his own brothers. And Joseph didn't do anything. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, there was always conflicts between me and my sister. And that while there was many times I was convinced I didn't do anything, you know, in reality, uh, I shared some of the guilt. You know, there was some to go around. But you know, in this story in the Bible, Joseph didn't do anything. Really, if you wanted to blame somebody, you could blame Jacob for playing favorites and making such a big deal about Joseph, making the other brothers jealous. But Joseph didn't do anything. He couldn't help it. He was his father's favorite. You know, Maybe the worst thing he did was told him the dreams that he had. We know that made him mad, but I don't think that was worthy of what he went through. But notice, I mean, the story of Joseph is looked at as a wonderful story of forgiveness, and it is. But look what it says in Genesis 50, verse 16. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants, of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake on him. And I want to stop there too because, you know, I might be reading into this a little bit. Okay, I might be reading into this a little bit, but this is just kind of my theory on how this went down. I think it was kind of creepy how or crummy how these guys apologized. They sent a messenger. Hey, Dad said for you to forgive us. You know, why didn't they just go face him? If they really believed that they deserved to be punished for what they did, to be put to death, if somebody really believes they deserve, they did wrong and deserve whatever they're supposed to get, they shouldn't be afraid to go to their face and say, listen, I, I'm sorry. Why'd they have to bring up their father, what he said after he was dead? It was like they're trying to use whatever they had because they were just worried about saving their own skin. And the Bible says Joseph wept and you know, uh, you know, I don't know if it was me. I've been thinking, why well, you scummy cowards? 
Why didn't you come tell me this? Why did you send a messenger? Why did you bring Dad up? Why didn't you just come to my face and apologize and just beg me not to take off your heads? But they didn't do it that way, but yet Joseph still forgave them. And even though it was a crummy apology, I believe, Joseph still forgave them. And look what he says in verse 19. He said to them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass that it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. I mean, what a wonderful example of forgiveness that was. And even though it wasn't a very good apology, it was an apology. Even though it wasn't a real good request for forgiveness, it was a request for forgiveness. And He gave it to him, And He didn't just forgive him. He did like Christ does for us. He forgives and shows mercy. And forgiveness is not giving us what we deserve. Mercy is giving us what we don't deserve. And He did both with these guys. Showed a godly love, a godly forgiveness and mercy. And that is a great example. But we do see they're asking. They're requesting. And you always see that in the Bible. So we see we see we're commanded to forgive somebody when they ask. We see we're commanded to forgive every time they ask. You know, until seventy times seven. And then go to Luke chapter seventeen. I mean, every time, every time they ask, we're supposed to be forgiving them. Luke seventeen verse three. Says, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Y'all see that part there? And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So once again, we see we're supposed to forgive every time they ask, every time, but if they repent. Okay? If they. If they say they're sorry, if they ask for that forgiveness, if he repent. See, you can't forgive somebody that's not requesting it. You see, forgiveness is kind of it's a two person thing, really. It's a two person thing. I mean, they're both parties kind of have to be involved, and we'll see that more in the Bible with some more examples. And it's it's something because you know, a lot of times. You know, when people will do stuff wrong, and I mean, I mean, really terrible things to you, you know, you'll always have these people that want to come up to you and get real spiritual. It's like, well, you know, you just need to forgive them. And it's like, how? They don't think they did anything wrong. I've talked to them about it, and they're, they're convinced that they're right, and they, they won't apologize, but you still need to have forgiveness. And I'm not even saying that's all wrong, but I will say that's irritating. <laughs> It really is. When you're good and mad, that's irritating when you hear somebody you hear somebody say that. And the truth is, you know, in the Bible we see that when there's forgiveness, you've got somebody asking for the forgiveness all the time. And so we see that it is it is there. They've got they do have to repent. For a person to be forgiven, they must ask. It's a two way thing. If Brother Lonnie does something to me, okay? And he, I, I do need to forgive him, but he needs to want that forgiveness for me to be able to give him that forgiveness. It's a, it's a it's a two party thing, and that person must want to be forgiveness, and it's impossible unless they ask. Look at Matthew five verse twenty one. It says, "And ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not kill." 
And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Notice without a cause part. Sometimes we get angry when we have reason to be angry. Okay? If one of you go and you go slap my wife, I have a reason to get angry, don't I? Alright, I think a pretty good reason. But without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother Reka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say to thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. You see what the scripture is saying here is when you're going to, if you're going to go to pray, if you're going to go to give a sacrifice, which we don't do the sacrifices and things anymore, but when we pray, we need to make sure that we are right with other people. And here it says, if thy brother hath ought against thee. So if I have done something wrong, if I've sinned against Brother Lonnie, and I've done wrong against him, I need his forgiveness, don't I? I need his forgiveness. And I need to go try to get it. Otherwise, I'm going to have trouble in my prayers to God. He may not hear my prayer. And it says that when they have, you go and get forgiveness. Get forgiveness. So we see, one of the reasons we're supposed to give forgiveness is because people need it. People need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. For example, when it comes to our sin debt, we needed forgiveness, didn't we? And we'll get a little more into that. We greatly needed that forgiveness. And when we do wrong to somebody else, we need their forgiveness. We did them wrong. If I go and I accidentally, you know, ram into your car and destroy your car, and I, I mean, you don't have transportation anymore, I either need to replace that, or if I just can't replace it, I need your forgiveness, don't I? And I need to do something. I need to come up with some kind of agreement that says agree with that adversary quickly. Otherwise, they're going to take you to the judge. And then you're not going to get out of it until you've paid the uttermost farthing. And sometimes there's situations where people, maybe financially, they do they just need forgiveness. And if you don't get things right with people, they're going to take you to the judge and then you're really going to be in trouble. And boy, that's another sermon there. The last thing we ever want is to go before judges on anything. If you can avoid judges, I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm saying we ought to try to work things out ourselves. It's just a lot better when you do that. That's another subject for another day. But we see in this passage that we need people's forgiveness desperately. And that and other people need our forgiveness. Once again, we see why we see it's 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 a two way thing, don't we? Why can't that person who needs forgiveness, why can't he just straighten that out between him and God? No, because he's got to get it from that other person. But to get it, he's got to go ask for it. And that person is required by God to give it to him because he needs it. And we see in the Bible there's all kinds of examples. I mean, you ought to give people what's due to them. You know, withhold not good to him who is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. And one thing we all can do is we can all forgive people. We all can forgive people. We should forgive people. And but we see it's it's a two person thing when it comes to forgiveness, and that that all that's very clear in the Bible. 
We're required to forgive when somebody's asked because they need your forgiveness. If people don't get right with you, or if you don't get right with other people, then you're going to have to deal with God. And we're going to see how that works in the end. That's all. And so we're going to kind of come back to that. But God giving or God forgiving us, we see also in that first passage we read and throughout the Bible that it requires that we forgive other people. Matthew chapter six and verse twelve, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I tell you, some people if they prayed that they're not going to be getting any forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Well, they're not forgiving their debtors, so it's not going to work too good. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So once again, we see that forgiveness, I mean, for us to get it from God, it's required that we give it to other people. But once again, it's a two person thing here. If people are asking us for forgiveness, if we ask God for forgiveness, it's a two-way thing. What about those people that aren't asking for forgiveness? Alright, and we're we're gonna get there, we're gonna get there shortly. But we see this, I mean, this theme throughout the Bible, Luke 6.37 says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged, condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned, forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Okay? For if for us to be forgiven, it requires that we forgive that we forgive. Other people. But also, we see in the Bible that God doesn't forgive those who don't ask. Look at, and you don't have to turn there, but 2 Chronicles 7.14, very well-known passage. If my people, if, 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 if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Once again, I mean, I, I know I'm not as forgiving as God, but I don't have a problem forgiving people who admit that they did wrong, that confess their sin, that turn from their wicked ways, I mean, that change their act. I don't have trouble with that. You know, I wouldn't have trouble with a guy coming to this this church and being a regular part of this church that was a murderer that went and he you know paid his crime, he got out of prison, he's sorry for what he did. I mean, he's done everything he can to get forgiveness from the family. I mean, as long as he's not doing it anymore, I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. But if he's continuing to do that type of thing, well, then that's going to be a struggle, isn't it? And you know, there's people out there like that. You know, I remember a story: a teenage boy I saw on the news who had uh, killed another young person in a horrible way. And while he was on trial, he did some horrible, disgusting, perverted things right there in the trial at the parents. Said just disgusting things that can't be repeated. Wasn't one bit sorry for what he had done. And and I I thought about that like, how do you deal with that? He doesn't want forgiveness. He's, I mean, throwing it in your face. And that's when it gets hard for me. And we see that God doesn't forgive those who don't ask. Psalms chapter 86, verse 5, For Thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon Thee. Once again, God's ready for it. 
And I believe that's how we ought to be. We ought to always be ready to forgive. If there's people out there that have done you wrong, that owe you an apology, it ought to, your attitude ought to be, I'm ready to forgive. When they ask, it's there. But they do have to ask. And God doesn't give it until they ask. Also, we see that Israel, they got in trouble with God because they never asked for forgiveness and they're still in trouble with God because they never asked for forgiveness. Go to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. There's a lot of scripture we could look at here, but I think this is really interesting because you know Israel's—it's an interesting situation uh, with uh, with with that group because they did. I mean, they did wickedly, didn't they? They got taken captive, uh, just like God said would happen. And you look at look at Daniel's prayer here in Daniel chapter nine. It says to the Lord, Daniel nine verse nine, to the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against Him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in His laws, which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed Thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey Thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against Him. And He hath confirmed His words which He spake against us and against our judges that judge us by bringing upon us a great evil for under the whole heaven hath not been done as it has, hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand Thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all His works which He doeth, for we obeyed not His voice. And we're not going to read all, all this passage here, but I want you to notice, and we don't have time to go into all the history of this and all the Scriptures, but you remember way back in Numbers and in Deuteronomy when God told them, hey, if you will obey My commandments, if you'll love Me, well, I'll protect you. I mean, you'll defeat your enemies, uh, your land. I mean, you'll I mean, you'll be prosperous. But if you don't, I then I'm not going to be with you. I'll work against you. And God did. And God, for centuries, gave him chance after chance after chance. He warned him. He warned him. He warned him. And then finally, he let them get taken captive. And then if you go and you know, and Daniel here, Daniel's asking for forgiveness on behalf of Israel. But notice, uh, jump down to verse 22 of Daniel chapter 22. This is kind of the answer Daniel gets from his prayer because Israel's not repenting. Israel's not asking forgiveness. You know, Daniel is. Okay? And Daniel is in heaven today, okay? Daniel's okay, but Israel today is still not, still in pretty big trouble. Daniel 9.22 says, And he informed me and talked to me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision of the prophecy and to anoint the Most Holy. And then if you go on and you read the rest of that, it's prophetic about the 70 weeks of Daniel. And we don't have time to go into all of that, but 69 of those weeks have happened, haven't they? 
those and that was payment for what they did. That's punishment for their sin. And you know what? There's one week left, isn't there? Seven years left this coming where God is going to judge them for what they've done. It's not done yet. It hasn't happened yet, but it's coming. And really, it's coming because they've never asked for forgiveness. And they still haven't asked for forgiveness. And we see in the Bible that they're not going to ask for forgiveness. Go and look and let's see, let's go to... Oh man, I've got so many Scriptures here, I'm losing track of them. Go to Revelation. Revelation chapter... You know, let's go to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. I've got I've got so many scriptures here. Isaiah chapter two. I noticed this passage. I thought was really interesting, and there was a lot of things in here I never noticed before. And we're, this is a lot of scripture, but this is this is some interesting stuff. I think Isaiah chapter two says the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And He will teach us of His ways, and we will walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And He shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn more. Uh, war anymore. And we know that this is now going into the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. It says, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore, thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they be replenished from the east and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they please themselves and the children of strangers. Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, neither is there any end of their chariots. Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And the mean man boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself. Therefore, forgive them not. And then notice this next part. Note, so it says, forgive them not. Okay, because they're not, they're not serious here. They're not asking for forgiveness. And then look at verse 10. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. What day? The day of the Lord. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty and upon everyone that is lifted up and he shall be brought low and upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up and upon all the oaks of Bashan and upon all the high mountains and upon all the hills that are lifted up and upon every high tower and upon every fenced wall and upon all the ships of Tarshish and upon all the pleasant pictures. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down and the haughtiness of men shall be made low and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day, and, we'll, and then uh, jump down to verse uh, 20. In that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made, and each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty when He ariseth to shake terribly the earth. 
Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? We see the day of the Lord when God is pouring out His wrath because they won't humble themselves because of their haughtiness, because they will not ask for forgiveness. And notice how it talks about them hiding in the rocks and you know, tell them to go there and hide there because of you know, the majesty of God and His wrath is about to be poured out and we read these passages this morning in Revelation 6. After the sun is darkened and the moon is turned to blood, the Bible says in Revelation 6.15, "...and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb." I believe the same thing it's talking about in Isaiah chapter 2. Because God is coming to pour His wrath out. Why? Because they didn't ask for forgiveness. They've not... They've not repented. Therefore, God is not going to forgive them. He's going to pour His wrath out on them. Revelation 9.20, "...and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which can neither see, hear, nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And the fourth angel poured out his vial." Revelation 16.8, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beasts, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. Then verse 21, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague was exceeding great. Do you see how these people, God's pouring His wrath out on them, but yet they're not repenting. Therefore, they're not getting forgiveness because they've not asked. Israel got in trouble. They're still in trouble because they've never asked for forgiveness. We see that... Uh, on the day of the Lord, that God does not forgive them because they're not repenting. They're not asking for there to be forgiveness. Somebody's got to acknowledge their sin. Somebody's got to ask. You say, well, you know, no, God just forgives everybody anyway. Didn't we have to confess our sins to God? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He doesn't just automatically save us, does He? We have to ask. I mean, it's a covenant. For there to be a covenant, there's got to be two parties involved. Two people that have to be in agreement. For there to be a marriage, two people have to say, I do, don't they? And when it comes to forgiveness, if people won't ask, it is impossible to forgive them the forgiveness. I'm not saying that you can't... I'm not talking about... That means you get to hold a grudge. We're going to see how we deal with it in a little bit. But I'm just here to say that you can't forgive somebody that won't ask. And so whenever somebody does you wrong, or somebody does somebody wrong, don't go up to them and be all spirit and say, you just need to forgive them. They can't if the person won't ask. Okay, now if the person is asking for forgiveness, say you need to forgive them. Because they do. But it's clear throughout the Bible that God doesn't forgive when people don't ask. They have to ask. When they ask, He forgives. He's plenteous in mercy. 
But so what do we do? Alright, so we've talked all this time about forgiveness. So what do we do with those people who just won't ask for forgiveness? Well, first of all, from the 70 times 77 thing, you have to be ready and you have to want to forgive. If somebody does you wrong, that needs to be your attitude toward that person. You need to have the attitude, I want to forgive them. I'm ready to forgive them. You don't, if they don't ask for forgiveness, they don't, if they don't think they did anything wrong, don't have the attitude of, good, now I don't have to forgive them. Now I can hold the grudge. Now I can stew about them. Now I can throw darts at their pictures. Now I can hate them in my heart because I don't have to forgive them because they didn't ask. No. You need to be ready to forgive them. You need to want to forgive them, but they do have to ask for you to be able to give them that forgiveness. But you need to be ready. I've heard it said before, bitterness is like you drinking poison and hoping your enemy gets sick. It doesn't work that way. And that's what bitterness does. You can't sit around and get bitter because I mean you do you need to get things right, but if that person doesn't want to, we can't control what other people do. But you do need to have that forgiveness ready to go. Be ready to forgive them. And I believe that's clear from forgiving them seven times and seventy times seven. You're going to have to be ready for that. okay? Because that just is basically teaching us always be ready to forgive. But the forgiveness isn't there until they ask. But you need to have it ready to go and ready to give them. And then also... We see that whenever somebody needs forgiveness, go ahead and warn them of the consequences of their sin. If somebody does you wrong and they're not asking for forgiveness, sometimes there's there's things that need to happen. If they're not going to get it right, there might need to be a separation. Hey, you know we're not going to be able to keep this friendship going until we get this right. And you might need to, you know, I'm not I'm not talking about threatening them or anything, but you know. You need there are sometimes things need to change until you can both get things right. And you need to warn them about the consequences. Look at Jeremiah chapter thirty six and verse one. Jeremiah thirty six and verse one. See I've got so many pages of scripture. Here we go. It says and it came to pass uh, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. But this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations, from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. And then look at this verse here, in verse 3. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. See that? He said, write this. Let them know what I'm getting ready to do to them. And when they hear it, maybe they will repent. They'll turn from their wicked ways. And then I will forgive them. And sometimes you might have to tell people, listen, we've got a big problem here. And until we can get this thing right, until we can get this worked out, you know, we're going to have to break fellowship. Sometimes in churches that has to happen where somebody does a sin in the church and the Bible talks about church discipline and sometimes there's times when you have to maybe remove somebody from the church, from the fellowship, 
of the church. But every time you remove somebody from the fellowship of the church, it's always supposed to be the goal for them to be restored to the fellowship of the church. The goal is all, and we don't have time to go into all the scriptures on it, but the goal is for them to get things right and for them to, you know, want to come back that they'll, they'll miss that fellowship. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 14, and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. See, you know, we don't look at him as an enemy. We're wanting them to get things right. But sometimes you've got to know you got we're gonna to have to point you out. And then hopefully they'll be ashamed of what you're doing. You're just warning them. This if you're if we can't get this right, this is what I'm gonna to have to do. And hopefully that will encourage them to want to do things right. So warn them of the consequences of their sin. Let them know. You know, a lot of times when people get mad at somebody, or somebody will do something wrong to them. I've seen this before. Or maybe somebody does something wrong to somebody and they don't realize that they did anything wrong. And that person, they don't talk to them about it. They just stew about it. They get all upset and they have angry feelings towards that person. And that other person is completely clueless. Hey, you know, they've been acting weird around me. What's going on? They don't even know what they did. And that person, maybe they don't want to be friends and they won't talk to them, and that person just got they're scratching their head. What did I do? Listen, if somebody does you wrong, the Bible talks about going and get things right. Take care of it quickly. Don't sit around and stew about it. You need to go quickly, and if they actually did do something wrong, give them a chance to ask for forgiveness. And if they won't do it, then say, listen, you know, this, this is what's going to happen. And hopefully they'll get it right, but most of the time, we don't even tell them. We don't even let them know that they did anything wrong. I've had people come to me and apologize to me for, you know, for getting mad at me because of something I did to them. And it's like, I didn't even know I did that. I've been mad at you for several months because you did this. Oh, that always makes you feel real good, doesn't it? <laughs> I didn't even know I did anything. And, you know, and that person, they stewed about it all that time for all those months. That wasn't the way to handle it. If I actually did something wrong, they should have came to me right away, tried to work it out. And, you know, and if they would have, I think it would have been real easy to work out. Because I needed their forgiveness even though I didn't know it. And they needed to give me that forgiveness. And when you, when somebody does you wrong, you do. You need to give them that forgiveness and they need to get that forgiveness from you. And so, But if they don't know they've done anything wrong, well, good luck working that out. So you got to let people know what they did. you got, you got to talk to them about it. If it's not that big of a deal, then you need to just forget it. And don't ever bring it up again. Don't, don't bring it up. Three, I've been mad at you for three years because three years ago you did this. Now, that's just going to make them feel like garbage. All right? you know, just get over it. Get past it. And, you know, don't do that kind of thing. I know, I've known some folks like that. But so then finally, and this is maybe the one example I, where it kind of looks like you see somebody getting forgiveness that's not asking for forgiveness. Look at Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus, he was he's there hanging on the cross. He's being crucified. He's being mocked. And then we see, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment 
and cast lots. Notice Jesus here. Now, now watch this. Jesus, Jesus didn't forgive them here. Okay? Jesus didn't forgive them here. He asked God to forgive them. And this is, we're going to go back, and I think this is interesting. He asked God to forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. And then go Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12. Isaiah 53 and verse 12. This is a prophetic scripture, I believe, about this very moment that we just read in the crucifixion. Isaiah 53:12 says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Do you see what Jesus was doing there? Jesus, he loved these people so much. He cared about them so much that even when they're sinning against him, and even though they're not asking for forgiveness, he's asking the Father to forgive them. Why was he asking God to forgive them? Because here's the thing, we see there's another example in the Bible of somebody else asking God to forgive. And I believe that's the third thing that we ought to do. If somebody has done you wrong and they will not ask for forgiveness, you should ask God to forgive them. You need to do that. But it doesn't always work. And I'll tell you why in a minute, but go to go to Exodus chapter twenty three. Well, we're not going to take time to turn there, but Exodus chapter twenty three, we see Israel after they did this horrible sin. You know, they went and they made that golden calf. I mean, they just did that, that horrible story. We all know the story. We see that Moses asked God to forgive them, didn't he? Moses asked God to forgive them. But the people didn't ask. But Moses asked, and you know what God did? God still plagued the people, didn't he? God plagued the people because they didn't ask for forgiveness. Moses asked for them but they didn't. And Jesus, He asked God to forgive those people because this, this is what we need to understand. We, you, cannot, you can't forgive somebody that doesn't ask for forgiveness. But we can ask God to forgive them. And the reason that we ask God to forgive them is because if they don't get forgiveness, the wrath of God's going to be on them. God's going to have to deal with them God's going to have to pour out His wrath on them. And Jesus Christ in His love there hanging on that cross didn't want God's wrath to be poured out on those men. And He prayed and asked that. And I don't know, maybe that's when the centurion said, truly this man is the Son of God. Maybe that's when he realized and that caused him to get saved and he asked for forgiveness and he didn't have the wrath of God poured on him. I don't know how it all worked, but I do know that when somebody doesn't get forgiveness... When they need it, if I need your forgiveness and I don't get it, then God's going to have to deal with me. And if somebody owes you forgiveness and they're not going to ask for it, God's going to eventually deal with those people and we ought to have an attitude like Jesus Christ and say, you know, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, they do. They deserve to get in trouble. But Lord, please forgive them. Lord, they obviously don't understand what they did. They don't understand how wrong they are. Lord, they're ignorant about what they did. They have no idea how they made me feel. They have no idea what they've done to me. And Lord, I can't forgive them. They won't ask for forgiveness. But God, I'm asking that You will forgive them. Because God's going to deal with... God deals with people. Especially His His children. 
God deals with them when they won't get things right. And if people have done you wrong and they're not asking for forgiveness, boy, they don't realize just how dangerous territory they're in. They need your forgiveness. And while you're not able to give it because they're not asking, your attitude ought to be, you know, I'm ready to forgive. I mean, it's here. It's ready. I'm going to give it as soon as they ask for it. I mean, before that, I mean, warn them of the consequences. Let them know what they've done. Let them know what they've done, what they did to you. Give them a chance. And then if they still don't ask for forgiveness, if they still don't do anything wrong, then I think we need to do like Jesus Christ did. And he didn't, he didn't look down on them and say, I forgive you. They didn't ask for forgiveness, did they? They were, they were down there gambling for his, his robe. They weren't sorry for what they did. So how could Jesus... He couldn't look at them and say, I forgive you. They didn't ask. But He did ask the Father to forgive them. And I think we ought to follow His example. Because who knows? As we forgive others, that's how God forgives us. How do we know we haven't done something wrong? How do we know that there's not somebody out there that we need their forgiveness? We don't even realize... What they've done, what we've done to them, we've not asked for forgiveness because we don't even we don't even realize we did wrong. We think we're in the right. I think it's very safe to say that we, if we're wise, even though we can't forgive somebody, we ought to have that attitude. Lord, will you please forgive them? Because who knows what's out there waiting for us? Who knows what we've done that we don't even know about? And so. Just because we can't forgive those who won't ask doesn't mean we shouldn't ask God to forgive them. We need to ask and beg God to give them forgiveness. We don't. We're not. We're not supposed vengeance. Bible. Who does the Bible say vengeance belongs to? It belongs to God. I will repay, saith the Lord. We don't go after vengeance. And a lot of times, like Christians, oh, good. Well, you know, vengeance belongs to God. I'm just going to let God deal with them. Well, yeah, he'll deal with them, but that you know that that's not a very Christ-like attitude. Jesus Christ said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Well, what if they know what they did? Well, sometimes people don't know. You would think while they're there gambling at the foot of the cross, I just crucified Jesus. I, if anybody would have known they were doing something wrong, you'd think it would have been those people. But most people, they're just they're not thinking straight. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Maybe these people really don't know what they're doing. And I believe we ought to have a Christ-like attitude and ask God to forgive them. So with that, I want us to all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Forgiveness 